Are you ready for me to talk about Disney Plus? Please not. not oh, oh boy, I can't <laughs> wait to talk about Disney Plus, Stefan. You know what's really exciting about it? You know what's really exciting about it? I get to watch The Mandalorian. Okay. You know how it is so far? I, I haven't heard. Yeah. Okay. You know what else is really great about Disney Plus? What? I can watch The Simpsons. Two-thirds of The Simpsons. Two-thirds of The Simpsons, you're right. I can watch two-thirds of The Simpsons. Finally. I can finally watch the episodes the way I always wanted to. With Barely. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. It's like we're seeing it through the eyes of Homer Simpson himself. The way Mac Raining originally intended. <laughs> what with, like, degenerative vision? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're reading a little much into the sentence there. <laughs> show um the I'm, only show i'm chris i'm stefan and um none of us actually got disney plus <laughs> no we did i have no intention of getting disney plus you know life's life's too short to be spending what like eight dollars a month on so i can watch like maybe eight movies i like <laughs> the ones i like i have on blu-ray and like two-thirds of the sim like i said like the simpsons with the horribly cropped aspect ratio <laughs> The fucking idiots. Like at this point, I'm just gonna. Apparently, keep, I'm just gonna keep streaming it, and streaming it semi legally. Okay, so apparently there is. Um, apparently they are gonna fix it uh-huh. so that the option of four by three is there. Why the fuck would you not just make this the regular edition, you absolute morons? However, <laughs> who the fuck wants to watch The Simpsons broken? <laughs> Insert joke about the last uh, twenty four seasons. <laughs> No, apparently, okay, so apparently what they're going to do is they're going to release the 4x3 stuff next year as an option. Kind of like what 20th Century Fox did on those two-disc Star Wars DVDs that I'm sure someone in the audience remembers, where the original theatrical cuts were released as a bonus disc. So you could you could watch the clearly inferior version that we brought, or we will grudgingly give you the version that everybody loves. Yeah, just like uh, just like Star Wars. Speaking of Star Wars, did you hear about, not the Mandalorian, but did you hear about the new Greedo sequence? Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they go back and like, they, they bring why in the George. Why the fuck did they? First like, of all. First of all, you, they what? must have recy- they must have recycled a cut or something. Or like a shot or something from that fucking scene. It is so weird listening to Greedo say McClunky is his final words. <laughs> I don't. McClunky. Like that's the thing. It's dumb. I don't hate it. I just think it's dumb. I actually. Like, oh, it's gone. It's kind of baffling because, like, a why would you bring back George Lucas to <laughs> <laughs> to direct ass. you into his vision? Uh, <laughs> that was that. That's because that's ended so well. Um, second of all. Why do you, if you're going to that scene, why would you keep everything that anybody has a problem with and insert McClunky and then like, there, it's better. (laughs) They'll be laughing too hard for the rest of the movie. 
<laughs> Finally, they won't see the rest of my flaws. <laughs> I must not stop until all the flaws are removed. That's, I bet that's it, like, George Lucas just wants to distract everybody from his greatest shame, which is the relatively unedited, unspecial effects-ified second half of that movie. Yeah. <sighs> just make the theatrical cuts available. Please. I don't ask of much. Please, I just want to see them once before I die. Once. We don't <laughs> ask of much, folks. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and then I've heard, like, mostly, like, yeah, it's fine things about The Mandalorian. Mostly good things about Episode 2, but, like, overall it's been kind of a, eh, whatever. I've been hearing at least, like, the worst I've heard is decent. The best I've heard is, like, it's one of the best Star Wars things. Yeah, like, like I'd say, like, the overall consensus I kind of got was, it's fine. The trailers look pretty cool. Like, I know, it I looks, know, it looks I know fine. The, like, apparently, like, Baby Yoda broke Werner Herzog's heart. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, that I think that's what sold me on. Yeah, I'm probably gonna watch this at some point. <laughs> well, if, if I mean that that is a high praise from Werner Herzog. Yeah, so. yeah, I know it's it's a surreal thing to read, but I but but I definitely love it. Oh my god, um, yeah. So like, because I I know you and I kind of talked about Disney Plus a little bit. Yeah. Um, before it dropped and i told you that i think the only reason why i'd ever subscribed to it is for the new adventures of winnie the pooh yeah it was as soon as they said we're gonna put the new adventures of winnie the pooh on disney plus i went fuck they yeah. got me yeah. <laughs> they they knew how to convince my ass for a split second like oh maybe this won't be a bad idea after all and then I ended up just not getting it. <laughs> as soon as I heard about the Simpsons thing, as soon as I heard about the Star Wars thing, as soon as I heard about... Oh, God. No uh, Family Guy? No Family Guy. Fucking criminal. <laughs> How dare you not put the greatest piece of animation on your fucking <laughs> streaming service, you assholes. <laughs> um, and plus, I just don't want to further support a Monopoly. So... Fuck that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if there's one good thing that Disney Plus has brought me, it's that Facebook Marketplace and Kijiji are full of idiots selling off their old Blu-rays, because fuck it, it's on streaming now. Wonderful. So that's how we got copies of the films we're talking about today. Ooh. For ten fucking dollars. Yay, it's more Disney stuff. <laughs> Woohoo. Um, so if, if you can't read the description to save your fucking life, we're talking about Fantasia. Yay! <laughs> um... The movie that Walt Disney calls Timeless. I'm sure those... Uh, I'm sure he said that at some point before he fucking died. <laughs> I I'm sure he meant that those uh, Asian caricature mushrooms sure are timeless, right? I, for one, definitely trust the the capitalist who financed this movie and stands a lot to gain from it when he describes <laughs> this movie as being good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if I told you it was good? Uh, well, sure. <laughs> You don't seem to have anything to gain from that, so sure. Alright, so who wants to describe it? I, I can, I'll give it a go. Okay, sure, you give it a go and I'll, uh, I'll give you shit when you fuck up, you stupid asshole. I'm gonna have so much fun when I launch a coup and take the podcast over from you. <laughs> <laughs> Your um, head's going on a fucking pike, my friend. <laughs> so Fantasia is, was released in 1940. And it is the third animated film released by Disney. Third film, period, I think. <laughs> and it's produced by Walt Disney himself, but it's directed by too many people to name. And um, 
basically what it is it's a it's a, a series of animated vignettes that go on for two hours um that are, are basically set to pieces of, ca- of classical music mm-hmm. um so you have Takata and Fugue in D minor by Bach the Nutcracker Suite by Tchaikovsky the Sorcerer's Apprentice by Paul Dukas uh which I think was originally composed Yes. Yeah. But it is based on um, a poem. Yeah. Del Zobellerin. Yes. Forgive my German. <laughs> Rite of Spring by Stravinsky. The Pastoral Symphony by Beethoven. Dance of the Hours by Ponchielli. Night on Bald Mountain by Modest Mussorgsky. And Ave Maria by uh, Franz Schubert. Alright, and since we're going to be talking about Fantasia 2000 at the same time, I'll just run through that. Yeah, go for it. Um, Fantasia 2000 came out in January of 2000. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was it premiered... No, at, not 2000. It actually premiered at Carnegie Hall in 99. This movie's a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Fantasia 2000 came out in 2000 as a IMAX exclusive for like four months. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, produced by Roy E. Disney, and it's the 30th Disney animated feature film. Mm-hmm. A series of celebrities introduced this one this time, and in the uh, in the original, it was some guy. Yeah. It is much shorter, but the program includes Symphony Number no. 5 by Ludwig van Beethoven, mm-hmm. um, Pines of Rome by Otterino Respighi, kill me. Apologies well, I, for my... I, 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 I'll handle this. Oh. Otterino Respighi. Otterino Respighi? Yep. Great. I was close. Um, Rhapsody in Blue Otterino by... Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> What's up? Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin. Mm-hmm. Um, Piano Concerto Number 2, Allegro Opus 102 by... Oh, fuck Dimitri me. Dmitry Shostakovich. Dmitry Shostakovich, um, which is based on the fairy tale The Steadfast Tin Soldier by Hans Christian Andersen. Um, Carnival of the Animals finale by Camille St. Sands. St. Sands, I think? Yeah, that was close enough. And uh, once again, The Sorcerer's Apprentice by Paul Dukas. Um, I thought that said poop and circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> We're on fire. Um, Pomp and Circumstance marches 1, 2, 3, and 4 by Edward Elgar. And the Firebird Suite, 1919, by Igor Stravinsky. They are introduced by celebrities such as archival recordings by Deems Taylor, who I... introduced all of the sca- all the vignettes from the first movie. Yes, he, was he did. A music critic, I believe. Yes. Um, Pines of Rome was introduced by Steve Martin and um... Itzhak Perlman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rhapsody in Blue was introduced by Quincy Jones with pianist Ralph Gears- Grierson. The worst introduction of them all, Piano Concerto Number no. Two, was introduced by Betty Milder, <laughs> Midler. Mm-hmm. Um, James Earl Jones introduced one. Penn and Teller introduced one. Uh, that one's kind of cringy. Um, yeah. James Levine introduced one, and Angela Lansbury introduced the last one. She sure did. She sure course. did. <laughs> um, and hers was probably the least terrible, if I remember correctly. I don't know. James Earl Jones was kind of. Oh funny. yeah, James Earl Jones is great. Yeah. Um. Both of these movies were fucking flops when they first came out. Yeah, well, the f- the first one did eventually make back its budget by quite a bit, but you told me that, like, when it initially came out, it didn't really do anything. Yeah, when it, yeah, initially when it came out, it didn't do well, and that's, that's why, at the beginning, when Steve Martin goes, originally the plan for Fantasia was, um, was to do, like, you know, 
every time they re-release it, there would be something new, th- and then still with something you remember from before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, well, that never happened, and he never goes into wine. It's because it fucking bombed! <laughs> <laughs> every time they go, and fucking, um, Betty Mil- Midler does the same thing, where she goes, there were some that just never got made. And I can tell in the back of her mind she's going, because it fucking tanked at the box office! <laughs> Um, yeah, because Fantasia eventually made its money back, like, years later, mm-hmm. and it did really well at home video, because I, I think that this movie is basically... nail clippers. That's haunting. <laughs> <laughs> is this how you jerk off? Like, you just stick it in there, and you're just like... You're making some assumptions about my size, Chris. It's smaller. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't make its money back till years later, and I think, and I guess we'll just go into this now, that I think that this movie has kind of popularized the Disney Vault idea. You'll have to talk to me more about that, because I'm not as familiar with it. Okay, so you know what the Disney Vault is, yes, right? Okay, so explain for the nice people. For the nice people. Basically, for those of you who don't know what the Disney Vault is, basically it's the concept that Disney will put a movie out there on DVD or Blu-ray or video or whatever the format was at the time. For a limited time. Mm-hmm. So it could be anywhere from months to a couple years. And then it's out of print again. Mm-hmm. Which is why usually whenever a Disney movie comes out that I like, it's like, oh shit, I should probably go buy it now. Yeah. Like when I heard the rumors about like Disney possibly cutting out like the crow shit from Dumbo, it was like, oh, I better go buy the Blu-ray now. Because mm-hmm. you just love yourself some Jim Crow racism. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> How dare you make assumptions. <laughs> it's not that I support the Jim Crow era racism that's in those movies. And I think frankly, quite a few of those early Disney movies are obviously problematic for a number of reasons. Yeah. I, I mean, if, including the one we're talking about today, including the one, including one of them we're talking about today. Um, yeah. and it's, it's not so it's, and it's not so much the fact of like, it's, it's not that I support racism. Obviously not. Sequel to Kate does not endorse racism. Let's just put that out there. Yeah, like, I just want to... We're going to take a firm stance. Not a fan of racism. <laughs> We've now taken a stronger policy against racism than Joe Biden. <laughs> no, but... Yeah, it, it's, it's more so that I just... I am... Very much against Disney's hiding the past thing yeah because they don't actually allow people to look at it from a more objective viewpoint and go oh this is really problematic but we can learn from this it's like this is this is why i'm really angry that they still haven't released song of the south yeah this is it's it's blatant whitewashing yeah the fact that disney has i mean it still is but it has back then especially it was an extremely racist company oh yeah and um I, I think Lindsay Ellis released a really good video where she talked about this. and Oh, the I Woke would, Disney I, one? The Woke Disney one. It's incredible. And I would refer people to that. Yeah, but we'll, the, we'll put it in the description. Yeah. But the gist is that um, instead of, like, acknowledging that these things happened and their role in it, Disney likes to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. And the thing with something like Dumbo is that as problematic as the Jim Crow shit is, mm-hmm. and it's really problematic... Mm-hmm. It's cool, eh? Racist didn't get cut. <laughs> um, I just pulled out a large knife. <laughs> no, but as, as problematic as it is, and it is really problematic, it those crows are unfortunately still really integral to the plot mm-hmm. because they're the ones that teach Dumbo to fly. Yeah. 
So it's like basically cutting them out of the movie completely basically means that you're, it's like cutting a giant section of like, I don't know, Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like cutting out the character, I forget his name, Michael Clark Duncan's character from the Green Mile because he's the magical N-word stereotype. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think that's the best way to put it. It's I'm like stop basically, with this knife. that's a good idea. It's it's dull as shit though. I know. Um, anyway, but yeah, no, like I think that's the perfect way to put it. Is like basically, it's like Michael Clark Duncan's character in the Green Mile. Yeah. Like if you cut him out of the movie completely, you're losing a giant essence of the movie there because he's the central integral drive of the film. However, yeah. sure, there's some problematic shit around that character. Mm-hmm. But cutting him out entirely would just be like one completely whitewashing and completely dismissing the point entirely and just sweeping it under the rug. And two, yeah, you're basically cutting a giant plot point of the movie. Yeah, and it's it's shit like that that's still like I said just really pisses me off that they just haven't released Song of the South yet. Mm-hmm. It's not that I genuinely want to sit there and watch the funny Uncle Remus movie. Mm-hmm. It's that I want to. It's that these movies should be out there in the open. Disney should be more open and transparent about its past. Mm. And we should be able to look at these films more objectively and be able to talk about them and go, okay, this is this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Now let's learn from that. You sh- when uh, looking at a piece of art, like uh, like an old Disney movie, mm-hmm. you need to be able to take the bad along with the good. Yeah. And the good is that these are groundbreaking pieces of work. Yeah. The bad is that they were made at a time when racism was not only the norm but it, the company itself was being run by some very racist people well and this is why i really respect warner brothers for what they did when they started putting out the looney tunes thing is just they put yeah. like this giant fucking disclaimer at the beginning of each dvd if not that then they had whoopi goldberg come out at sometimes and just mm-hmm. be like look we're presenting them as they originally were because if we cut them then that's just disingenuous and bad mm-hmm. however this this was unacceptable back then as it is today like i'm basically quoting it kind of verbatim but like in a mix-up thing like they're basically saying like what you're gonna watch is like incredibly racist and completely out of date and really problematic Mm. at times however to cut it out completely or censor it would be wrong yeah Anyway, finish what you were saying about the Disney vault. Anyway, so the Disney vault. Also, I just realized that what the racist mushrooms on the front of the Blu-ray. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> anyway, we'll Disney get didn't learn their fucking lesson. <laughs> so fucking disingenuous. Anyway, Walt keep Walt Disney, more like Walt disingenuous, am I right? Holy <laughs> shit, we're three for three. That was crisp, too. That four for four. Nice. <laughs> Ow. Um, anyway, so my point about the Disney vault... Um, so basically, I think, yeah, so basically the Disney vault was exactly as I explained it earlier. If you forgot what that was, go back a minute or ten, two. Yeah. Um, but basically, I think Fantasia is, like, the prime example when we talk about the Disney vault. Mm-hmm. Because after Disney re-released it in theaters for decades, like, I want to say for at least, like, 50 years, mm-hmm. they finally put it out on its 50th anniversary on VHS in 1990. And that VHS was available for 50 days before it went back into the vault. Mm -hmm. And then 10 years later, they re-released it on DVD. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how long the DVD lasted, probably no longer than a couple months. Right. And then the Blu-ray here that we have, which has Fantasia and Fantasia 2000 on it, came out in 2010. Mm -hmm. 
and was pulled from shelves five months later. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I hate the Disney vault. Mm. I really do. Because Disney needs to stop treating their classics like fucking events that they can keep milking for money. Mm. Especially Fantasia. However, I think that they're pretty much stopping it now because they just put everything on Disney Plus besides, like, you know, the obvious ones like Song of the South. Yeah. So I think everything's pretty much out in the open now. You just have to get a Disney Plus subscription. Mm. Which I guess kind of blows if you don't have Disney Plus. But I guess now, for those of you that do have Disney Plus and you're selling off your Blu-rays, you're probably a fucking idiot. <laughs> you probably did the wrong thing. Like, I got this Blu-ray for 10 bucks. Yeah. Which is like a fucking steal, and I mean, it's still in good shape. You'd think they would have checked beforehand to see what it was going for. No, they didn't. It's not even like a, what, like a third of like what it would have gone for? On Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I could have probably got, like, he could have probably gotten at least a hundred bucks off of me for this. Mm -hmm. And I would have gladly paid it like a moron. Okay, so, spoiler alert, Chris really likes Fantasia. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we both really like Fantasia. Yeah, we both really like Fantasia. I love it more than you do. I think so, too. You really love it. Yeah, I guess now that we're done talking about Disney Vault stuff and how I think it's bad and awful and it's kind of shitty for the industry and mm-hmm. how Disney's just a bad, you know, awful, like, mega-capitalist conglomerate that should rot in hell. <laughs> for more on that, go to our Lion King episode. <laughs> Um, refer back. So we're going to kind of talk about Fantasia and Fantasia 2000 together. Yeah. Because. They are the same movie minus the celebrity shit. And yeah, they're basically, they're basically the same movie minus like, you know, like there's mostly a bunch of new skits in 2000 besides Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah. And the celebrity stuff. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to do is just talk about them segment from segment to segment. Kind of like our Creeper episode. Yeah, kind of our Creeper Creeper episode. episode. (laughs) Thinking of the band, our creep show episode. Yeah, kind of like our creep show episode. Probably more so like our creep show episode. And then we're going to talk more about Disney and the Fantasia franchise from there. Mm-hmm. So, Stefan, you know this. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so before I went back and rewatched these, and I was really excited to rewatch these because, like, before I rewatched them, like these are some of my favorite Disney animated movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, these movies are fucking gems. Mm. Like, if you asked me before I went back and rewatched them, I would have probably told you my favorite animated Disney movie was The Lion King. Mm -hmm. Now it's Fantasia and Fantasia 2000. Mm -hmm. They're masterpieces. One and two? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, they're... The people that say that Fantasia 2000 sucks are fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, really. What about Fantasia 2000 is somehow, like... I don't know how that movie got a mixed reception. I don't know. Like, I really don't get it. I honestly like, don't get it because, like, I was expecting to go in finding, like, one, like, vignette that, like, made, oh, I could see why people didn't like this. Like, yeah. No, they're all good. Like, they're I, all I'll, really I'll go solid. into why I have mixed feelings about one of them, but they're all at least solid. Uh, which one were you mixed on? Um, the Noah's Ark one. The Donald Duck one. That one's cute. I like it. I like that. I like the animation and shit. It's just, I think the, um, I think Pomp and Circumstance is a really odd choice for it. It's an odd choice for it, but I don't know. There's there's just something about I don't know. It, it worked a lot. It looked obviously worked a lot better for me. I I didn't have a lot of issues with it. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> there's a pomp and circumstance review, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's 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 start from the beginning. Let's take it from the top. Let's let's take it from the top. So, uh, which one do you want to start with, sir? Let's start with the first one. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, Fantasia, starring Leopold Stokowski and Deems Taylor, two guys who are not actors. <laughs> Stokowski is the um, conductor of yeah. the uh, Philadelphia Orchestra. Yeah. At this point. So I guess let's start with... Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Johann Sebastian Bach. That's a good way, that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. So both of these movies start off with a... Very abstract. Very abstract, very much like a visual experience, um, visual experience thing. Mm -hmm. Both of them are incredible to me. Mm. Um, I think I like the opening of Fantasia 2000 a little more, but we'll talk about that I later. I really like the one from Fantasia 2000, like the one this, from, one, this one is cool. This one is really cool. Like, it, it's, it's, it's gonna be hard to talk about the opening, too, so maybe we'll just talk about the two openers first. Okay. And then we'll just kind of work our way through the rest. Okay. Because I think both of them are more just like, like I said, like, they're both visual experience pieces. They're not so much things that you can, like, study and analyze. Not like you can really study and analyze the other ones, either. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you can pull out some, like, plot things from it and some, like, minor themes, but there's really no, like, deep analytical places you can go with them, and that's completely fine. Um, I I know that they mention, like, this, where, like, a lot of it is just music for music's sake. Exactly, yeah. I don't buy that. I don't believe in art for art's sake. I, well, and I, I believe that the openers could be art for art's sake, however... I think that them saying that is also incredibly disingenuous to the rest of it because everything else pretty much has a straight, like a streamlined plot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just that the opening two don't. And I think that they both set up each movie incredibly well. Mm. Like, I think the, um, the opener for this basically sets up like the raw animated beauty of Fantasia and like what we're going to expect from it. Yeah, yeah. And the one from Fantasia 2000 really sets up the ambition of Fantasia 2000. Yeah. The one from Fantasia 2000 also seems to set up that it's got a bit more of like um like a character focus to it. Yes. Cuz like it has the two characters of the butterflies and the evil butterflies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I it's, thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, like it's very much like a good versus evil thing. It's very simplistic. Like and when I say that these movies are very simplistic, I, I obviously don't mean, like, art for art's sake. Mm -hmm. I just mean that, like, compared to some of the things we've done in the past, like, you know, like the Jordan Peele episode or something like that. It's like, yeah, we're not pulling out, like, deep fucking meaning out of this. Are you telling me the movie with the racist mushrooms isn't as deep as us? <laughs> in fact, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so let's move on from those two. So, yeah, so Symphony Number no. 5 is the one from Fantasia 2000. And that one's also incredible. Like, Oh, right. Yeah, the Beethoven one. Yeah, the Beethoven one. Um, if I can say one more thing before we move on, though. I re-watched Fantasia 2000 high <laughs> as a fucking kite. So what? So the spiral sequence yeah. where the flashing lights come on. It almost epileptic. Oh, thing. my God. <laughs> I look over to you as we're re-watching. Imagine this high. <laughs> i'm like you don't have to <laughs> not um so next up is the uh nutcracker suite by peter Ilyich tchaikovsky yes including the <laughs> incredibly racist chinese mushrooms <laughs> and i say chinese because um 
the the selections are dance the sugar plum fairy chinese dance arabian dance russian dance dance the flute and waltz of the flowers so yeah I'm that's what they sure, were going for pretty sure it's what they were going for disney's not a subtle man no he is not he does not care about minorities. so l- let's just talk about that i guess folks <laughs> might remember tchaikovsky as the guy who had the news yeah let there be light <laughs> sound <laughs> drums caricatures guitar i'll let there be rock anyway talk about the nutcracker suite <laughs> okay so i okay so it's obviously no surprise based on the two of us that we're not very fond of the uh racist caricature mushroom friends yeah and there's not too much to say about it there's not point. too much to say about it at this point like it's bad and they could have done something really cute with the mushrooms that wasn't a chinese they stereotype. could have done something so much better like it's just so one, it's blatantly on the nose, and two, it just it goes on for such an uncomfortable amount of time, too. Uh-huh. And it's just kind of like, ugh. Yeah. Um, so it's bad, and anyone who sits there and goes, it's not racist, should feel bad. Mm-hmm. And that's all we have to say about it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the rest of the suite, on the other hand, is fucking gorgeous. It's so fucking good. This might be one of my favorites. This is definitely this one of my favorites. Again, this is this is definitely one of those cases of like taking the bad with the good, but oh my god, the good is so good. It's so fucking good. Like it never once feels like it's going on way too long. No. It just kind of breezes by and it's just this gorgeous like array of like berries and yeah, forest dancing plants <laughs> and mushrooms. All the good shit. stop. <laughs> All that you could ever want in a movie, fairies and dancing plants. <laughs> uh. Yeah, no, like, it's it's definitely one of my favorite segments as well. Like, it's absolutely beautiful. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, the music complements it, obviously, so fucking well. And, yeah, like, it's just 100%, like, mwah, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. Some of the finest animation Disney's ever done, and probably one of the best ways to hook you into the movie, I think. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't feel like it goes on too long. Mm-hmm. Coming up next is the sorcerer's apprentice the one that's the one that moves those copies baby (laughs) the man's face is on the cover of the blu-ray he's actually on the it's actually just mickey on the cover of the old vhs too really yeah Uh, actually no i think i've seen it um so this originally when they were when disney originally conceived of fantasia it was actually as a way to sell he actually first thought of The Sorcerer's Apprentice as, like, mm-hmm. a short that would build up Mickey Mouse's popularity because the character wasn't as popular at that yes. point. Uh, and then they did, that thing went way over budget, so they figured, ah, oh, hell, let's just do a feature out of this. So as you can tell, this isn't Disney thinking of some unique new way to, like, appeal to audiences. It's just... It's just... Let's just make it's all just the like, fucking money, dude. It's just, let's make some money off of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a classic. It's a classic, definitely. Um, so basically, it follows Mickey Mouse, who's a young apprentice of the sorcerer, who steals his sorcerer's hat and convinces his brooms to do his chores for him. And, you know, obviously, you know, you don't always get what you wish for, and shit goes sideways, and it basically ends with the sorcerer kicking his ass out the fucking door. Mm-hmm. Also, Which is actually a really funny well, shot. He, he doesn't, like, fire on me. Just, like, makes no. him go get more water. Also, I need to issue a correction. This is not an original music for the movie. It's okay. by Paul Dukas, who um, obviously died in 1935, so there's no way it could have been original for the movie. 
He did. He did I, actually make a piece called "The Sorcerer's Apprentice." It, I, I mean, unless they started working on this back in the '30s, but I mean, I doubt it, it. I think they started late '30s. Oh, okay. Then this so. is not an original piece. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it's really cool. I think it drags a little long, honestly. I could. I don't think it drags that long at all. I. I. This is maybe it's just because I was watching this when it was like really late and I was getting sleepy. But like this part, this one, like. I wouldn't say it, like, dragged too long or it had pacing issues, but it was starting to, like, feel like... It was starting to feel its length a bit. I've I've never felt that way about this. Like, it feels like it maybe goes on for, like, five or six minutes. How long is the fucking Sorcerer's Apprentice? Because maybe I was just tired. Yeah, I'm starting to think you were just really tired, because it did not feel its length to me at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's, like, a five-minute segment. Oh, did you get the Nicolas Cage Jupiter yes, yes, show? <laughs> So how long is that? So it's definitely under five minutes and it doesn't, it's never felt like to me at all. Like it's always been the one that's always breezy. Maybe it's just because like there isn't as much like stuff to look at compared to the other, to the first two. Oh yeah, no, exactly. Like there's not as much like visually like standing out like right at you on the screen mm-hmm. than there is in like the first two, but. I don't dislike it. It's, no. a, it's a cute, it's a cute skit. I, I like it a lot. Um. It's think, just not my favorite from this from the movie. I can I can see people thinking it's derivative if they're watching Fantasia back to back with Fantasia two thousand because mm-hmm. it, it appears in both of them, right? Yeah, for some reason. Um, <laughs> and one of I gotta them, sell those copies, baby. <laughs> and one of them features an awful Penn and Teller intro. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Does that do anything for you? I guess since we're only going to talk about the Sorcerer's Apprentice once. Can we just talk about how fucking dated as shit that Penn and Teller thing was? Oh my god. Oh I mean, my exist- god. The appearance of Penn and Teller itself is, is dated in that skit. You know, you ever watched that fucking show that they do on like the no, CW or whatever? No, of course not. It's called Penn and Teller Fool Us. Okay, get this. You ready? Actually, I think Mikkel watches that. Anyway, keep going. That's watch, incredibly watch sad it. for Mikkel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready for this? So Penn and Teller Mm-hmm. On a television show in the year of our Lord 2019, that's also like presented by Allison Hannigan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> How does this not feel like a 90s show already? That's very strange. <laughs> I'm not okay with it. <laughs> I love how she's just not getting work anymore, so it's like, sure, I'll be like the Vanna White of this Penn and Teller program. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, um, the Penn Teller segment is so just, ah, like, it's so fucking, like, first of all, it's cringy as shit because Penn Gillette is just very cringy as shit. Yeah. Like, he's practically, like, screaming <laughs> his introduction, <laughs> and then there's Teller just like, here's the thing about magic, it's all fake! <laughs> Sign of hand, bullshit! <laughs> Dismemberment's Fucking hogwash! <laughs> Pulling a rabbit out of the hat? What, you think you're, you're, you're fucking moron or something? <laughs> you fucking three years old, motherfucker! I like to think of the other side of the camera, he's just screaming at a three-year-old who's just bawling his eyes out. <laughs> Do you have any more to say about Sorcerer's Apprentice? Um, besides that the Penn and Teller skit is like, or intro is cringy as fuck, and no. almost kind of ruins the quality of the segment itself. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're just in a daze. <laughs> 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 he just gets like irrationally angry at the idea that there's still wonder in the world <laughs> yeah pull a rabbit out of your hat pull your head out of your ass you fucking moron pull a rabbit out of your hat pull this cap out of your ass 
And then he went on a rampage. I will beat the living shit out of you if you think that anything beyond Walt Disney is magical. (laughs) Meanwhile, the folks at Disney are going, Bravo. (laughs) Pendulette is no longer, um... No, is the reason that Fantasia 3 hasn't happened after he beat beat Oswald the Lucky Rabbit to death. (laughs) Pendulette's the reason why this movie bombed. (laughs) Oh my god. A Fantasia movie making money? More like go fuck yourself. Pendulette killed Roy Disney. Turns out he was just screaming at Roy Disney the whole time, and he just had a fucking stroke finally. <laughs> and as he's dying, he thinks, "Oh, thank God, I don't have to listen to that fucking asshole talk anymore." <laughs> well, I think we've um covered all we can of Sorcerer's <laughs> Apprentice by proxy of Pendulette. Holy <laughs> 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 oh, shit! Anyway, let's, let's do ourselves a favor and move on. Right of Spring by Igor Stravinsky. <laughs> Probably the saddest one. Yeah, by far. Because dinosaurs die in it. Yes. Yes. This this one actually kind of reminded me of 2001 A Space Odyssey a little bit. Like yes, happening. I was going to say. Um, Obviously this came first, but Kubrick's better, so. Yeah. Um, But still, like, both of them are just, like, these, like, incredible pieces of just, like, beautiful art. Mm. That just tell this, like, incredibly, like... In, in Kubrick's case, disturbing. In Disney's case, disheartening <laughs> tale. Yeah. Like, it's really sad. Or sobering, really. Yeah, sobering, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's it reminds me of the, that one Ozymandias poem. That's yes. right, fellas. I read. Um, where... Stefan reads, bullshit! Pen... Pendulette. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the podcast is just Pendulette beating me to death. <laughs> um... But literacy what, and youth. <laughs> but yeah, it reminds me of the poem where it's like, "Look upon my mighty, my my works, ye mighty in despair." And that is just like a desert. Yeah. Um. It it gave me that same vibe. Mm-hmm. Um. Literacy nerds, you know what I'm talking about. Literacy, <laughs> literature nerds. Literacy. <laughs> it's a bunch of nerds just sitting around <laughs> talking about the plague that is literacy while shoving a finger up their ass. <laughs> <laughs> then they just keep injecting books into their veins. Why are you shoving that finger up your ass? I need to feel something. <laughs> I've just been sitting here numbly, like, flipping the page. I need a paper cut. Something. Anything. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> We're just trying to figure out how to solve the literacy crisis, okay? Yeah. Pendulette single-handedly solved the literacy crisis. <laughs> Pendulette's actually the head of that club. <laughs> uh, this just this skit is also complete with the 1940s understanding of dinosaurs. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is. I mean, it made me want to throw my phone against a wall because I love dinosaurs. But uh, you know, it's, what, it's, whatever. It's, it's, <laughs> it comes it's dated as shit. Like, yeah, like I'm not I'm not recommending this this skit for like education to, to like paleo, to like paleo, for like paleontology classes. So who gives a fuck? But yeah, no, like Bill Nye the Science Guy and that skit from Fantasia. <laughs> Finally, those grade threeers have some shit to learn. Yeah, I always get really sad when the. T-Rex kills the Stegosaurus. Oh my god, that breaks my heart. Yeah. It's just a herbivore, man. It's, it's kind of... It, that one... I think out of all of them... Mm-hmm. Besides Night on Bald Mountain... I think it's my favorite one. Right. 
Like, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the one... It's the one that devastates me the most. It's the one that makes me feel the most. It's the one that hurts the most. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's so beautiful and so, like, poetic. And it just... It... It just... It reminds me of, like, how cinema can make you feel. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about both Fantasia and Fantasia 2000 is just how they make you feel. With extremely minimal dialogue. With extremely, like, very... Not at all during the segments. Like, not at all during the segments. And the introductions are pretty vague about what's going to happen. But they just, like, just the amount of emotion that you get from these segments Mm -hmm. is, like, incredible. Mm. Oh, my God. Um, I kind of want to talk about the intermission and the meet the soundtrack thing, because it's actually really fucking nifty, and I like it a lot. It is nifty. It's just, it's it's kind of a nice little, it's a nice moment of levity after you're watching, (laughs) after you're watching Rite of Spring. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Rite of Spring is fucking devastating, and then you go in to meet the soundtrack, it's like, that's just nice. It's just, um... It's so cute. It's just fucking Deems Taylor talking to, like, a literal soundbar, like the ones we're looking at right now. <laughs> on, uh, Audible, oh, or Audacity. On Audible. I get mixed, I get them mixed up all the time. Um, so, yeah, like, and and that little segment alone is objectively better than anything Pendulette ever did for Fantasia 2000. We're not we're not harping on this again. We've we've dedicated twenty fucking minutes to shitting on Pendulette this episode. Aw, <laughs> I'll bring I'll bring it back in some way. I'm but, sure. Yeah, this is much less awkward than pretty much any of the skits. Oh in yeah, Fantasia no, like it, it actually feels natural. Mm-hmm. It feels natural. It feels genuine. It feels sweet. It's it's lovely. It warms my fucking heart. Mm-hmm. It's a good segment. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we are we are very far in, so let's move on. Let's do it. Uh, the Pastoral Symphony by Ludwig van Beethoven, i.e. my least favorite one, this but is also, that's not saying much. This is also my least favorite, but I still like it quite a bit. I really, really like it. Like, this is... Like I said in the How to Train Your Dragon episode, like, if the first one's, like, a nine and the, re- and the other two are sevens, there's not much of a distinct drop from there. In mm-hmm. this case, it's like... Tens, nine. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck it. <laughs> like, this is... The only reason why I don't care for this one as much is because, one, it's really long and it feels its length. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're going to talk about segments that feel its length, Stefan... Ow. <laughs> I just slapped him across the face for those of you who don't have a camera in Chris's office. <laughs> Which should be all of you, I guess. I guess... Oh shit. Oh government. Hey, boys. <laughs> Anyway, so the Pastoral Symphony by Ludwig van. Mm-hmm. I felt like Alex DeLarge there. <laughs> um, beautiful piece of music. Mm-hmm. A very, very, very. You're gonna hear us say this about pretty much every single fucking segment. They're all visually stunning to look at, mm-hmm. and they just take your fucking breath away every single time. Mm-hmm. This one feels its length. This one yeah. feels very long. Yeah, and. I feel like it didn't have to be as long as it is. No, they could have cut out a bunch of shit in the middle with the centaurs. But that's literally my only problem with it. Yeah. Is it feels its length. On the other hand, this one is nudity, so it's the best one. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Finally, you Disney kids have something to masturbate to. <laughs> no, but like... 40s kids go into the fucking Fantasia roadshows just to get a fucking orgasm. No, but like, you, like it cuts to the, the centaurettes... Yeah. And, like, it's just them, like, in a pool with, like, nothing nothing on their torso. Yeah. And then their lower half is, like, they're a horse, so who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you're, you're, I just, the whole time, I'm thinking, they allowed this in 1940? 
in like something that was ostensibly marketed to kids mind you satan's also in this movie so <laughs> maybe maybe not we will get to that in a minute but... anyway anyway they spend way too much time on that like that's easily the least favorite part of the entire movie fucking cherubs all over the place and i don't i, I this is just a me hangout but like i hate cherubs they're fucking creepy. Hey, fuck off. They're creepy as shit. Cool. Who gives a shit? They're fuck. flying naked babies. That what is not disturbing about that? Yeah, like basically as soon as Zeus and Vulcan get involved, it it starts to pick up a little bit more. Or if you're going by the Greek name, Hephaestus. Oh fucking eat me. Also they call Dionysus Bacchus. And they really do him wrong in his characterization. I like Dionysus as a stone-cold androgynous killer, not this, like, fat drunk guy. I mean, he is drunk too. Well, anyway. Well, I mean... <laughs> Greek mythology gang. So, um, yeah. I still love most of the Pastoral Symphony. It just... It feels its length. Yeah. Everything around that is perfectly great. Everything around it is, like, really, like, impeccably well-crafted, and it's, like... It's so fucking good, but yeah, like, you gotta have a least favorite somewhere, unfortunately, mine's the Pastoral yeah. Symphony. Also, like, the middle segment with the centaurs also just makes me think about the mechanics of centaur sex, and... <laughs> yeah, we thought about that, too. <laughs> Honestly, like, I was distracted by that by, through a lot of, like, Ze the Zeus and Vulcan shit, because, like, okay, so if, like, the weight is distributed this way... <laughs> <laughs> like, I think they would, I think the, the top would still tumble <laughs> over on their back... Anyway. <laughs> Alright, we got two more segments to go through the original Fantasia, and then we're gonna move on to Fantasia 2000. We'll try not to get any into any uh, deviations about centaur sex. <laughs> or pendulette. <laughs> or, or pendulette. Anyway, this is my favorite. It's Night on, Night on Bald Mountain. Oh no, we I'll... forgot about Dance of the Hours. Oh, never mind. Dance of the Hours. I Wow, I totally forgot that one, that one existed, but it's cute. It is really cute. It's the one with the... It's the one with the hippos and the rapey crocodiles <laughs> i got that impression too i just didn't want to say it oh okay so nothing getting... happens they all end up dancing together no no nothing happens they all end up dancing together but holy shit those crocodiles are like creepers mm -hmm. and they... boy did i mean the band yeah <laughs> do you even know who that is no oh they're fun they're fun they're like a horror punk band with like a lot of like more poppy tunes they're good oh, okay Maybe i like I'll enjoy it yeah um but but yeah no like it's it's very uh Again, this one kind of feels it's like a little bit too. Mm -hmm. um, I think so too. I think it's the least memorable one of the bunch, but I still like mm -hmm. really enjoy it whenever it's on. Yeah. Because um, like even Pastoral they, Symphony has things that like keep like you remember. Yeah. Like centaurs boning, but uh, <laughs> but like this one. I is, see. Uh, I see that we uh, are promised to not deviate a centaur sax. <laughs> 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 hey, we're on, wait, we got a better track record than Jason Kenny, so it's fine. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Got him. But um, this one, it's like, it's very cute and it's fun. And I, I wouldn't really change anything about it, but no. except it's length, maybe. Uh, but eh, even it's length, it's not that bad. Like, it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't feel like it kind of grinds to a halt in the way that Pastoral Symphony does. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just not as great as the other stuff. No. It's, but it's it's, it's pretty still, close to Pastoral Symphony for it, me, just because yeah. I don't remember much of it, even though I do prefer it. Yeah, no, I do prefer it, but I still don't. It's still not as memorable. It's still like I said, like ten, nine. Yeah, <laughs> this is fine. And finally, we're gonna talk about the last segment night on Bald Mountain and Ave Maria. And it's, it's Ave, a and Ave Maria. That's right. I forgot to mention that we introduced a man. Mm -hmm. Oh, and a quick <laughs> a quick correction. 
it's not um Satan in Night on Bald Night on Bald Mountain. It's Chernabog, who is a he's basically a demon. Yeah, like, uh, you would be forgiven for mistaking him for Satan because he basically is. But or a gargoyle. Or a gargoyle. I, I know when Nick and I were watching, he's like, "Oh, when's the funny gargoyle segment gonna start?" And it's like, "Ah, oh, eventually." You know what? He's not wrong because it, 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 he, he Chernabog looks like one of the gargoyles from like the '90s cartoon. Nineties? Mm-hmm. Yeah, '90s. Yeah. So anyway, this one's my favorite. Yes. Um. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, and it's fucking creepy. And I don't know why, but the blend of Night on Bald Mountain and Ave Maria is just like Shaft's kiss. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a religious experience. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, which I guess that's what they're going for because oh, yeah. it's very clearly it's very Christian. spiritual. <laughs> yeah, like it is. It is one hell of an experience and one hell of a way to end Fantasia. I think. Mm-hmm. Like it just like floors you in every way, shape, and form. Like, it's not as, like, emotionally riveting as something like, um, what the hell was it called? Rite of Spring? Yeah. But, oh my god, it just hits every single fucking sense in just such a, like, profound goddamn mm. way. And it just, like, like you said, it's like a religious experience, and clearly that's what they were going for. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. I mean, they do talk about it as, as like, uh, a very elaborate depiction of the very simple concept of a do of a binary struggle between good and evil yes and that's what they said oh I was, oh shit no they kind of set that up more in fantasia 2000 mm. so it's kind of fun like when you like watch them back to back like you have this final segment of the first one about good and evil then you go into the openings visual segment which is about good and evil mm. and <laughs> that was kind of cool when i rewatched them back to back yeah yeah less satan um, than that other one though and 100 percent less satan but uh 70 more butterflies mm-hmm. yes. which i think that's trading up honestly. and also 70 percent more pendulette <laughs> the best a man can get you're so right is pendulette the best a, mu- a magician can get absolutely not <laughs> forgetting about chris angel <laughs> oh fuck yeah <laughs> i forgot mind freak i am a mind freak <laughs> I remember, like, when uh, I was in grade, I was going into grade four, and the summer before, we, my family and I went to Mexico, mm-hmm. and, like, we we got American TV there, which was exciting for me, oh, nice. and, like, there was, like, I just watched, like, three episodes back-to-back of Mind Freak. <laughs> Not even really enjoying it, just kind of perplexed. Do you remember, like, the fucking opening theme of Mind Freak? Yes! Which is basically just some screamo band screaming, Mind Freak! Over and over again with this, it's like... It's not like screamo, it's like guttural heavy metal. It's like gutter... Yeah, more like guttural heavy metal and, like, the fucking... And it's just so, like, bland. Yeah. <laughs> like, shockingly bland for something that's trying to be so edgy and extreme. yeah, yeah. Um, God. I don't know, like, he's just, like, this guy talking in a very calm voice. <laughs> anyway, do you have anything more to say about Night on, Night on Bald Mountain? <laughs> Night on... Night on Bald Mountain? Um, I, I have... I guess just go in and just experience it. it mm. There's nothing we can really say that does it justice. Yeah. It's one of the best things I've ever seen Disney do. Mm-hmm. I'd actually say it's probably the best thing Disney's ever done. Night on Bald Mountain? Oh, Yeah. I mean, it's the best thing in this movie, absolutely. And, and this movie is one of the best things Disney has ever done. I'd say that this is... I'd say that Night on Bald Mountain is, like, Disney at its peak. I'm not going to surrender Lion King's position at the top of that pier. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Finish up our thoughts on Fantasia as a whole, because we're done with it. Yeah, we are done with Fantasia as a whole. It's so... one of the 
five one of my five favorite disney movies of all time definitely it's my favorite disney movie ever warts and all mm-hmm. even if some things drag a little bit and some may not be as memorable as others it's still just like every every bit of it just flows together so perfectly and like i said like warts and all i love the shit out of it like the racist uh racist caricatures aside yeah we didn't even, bad we didn't even go into the racist character that they cut out of later versions oh yeah that's right in the centaur in the centaur yes which are bad you're gonna look them up if you really want to see them but they're bad mm-hmm. they're really bad but i mean it's again just i wish they kept it in just so that disney had any sort of accountability and transparency anyway let's, let's wrap it up anyway so yeah fantasia comes highly recommended on my end obviously i highly recommend it too awesome all right we're gonna take a short break so this is like staying right here and it's really bumming me out <laughs> yeah it happens sometimes welcome back happens sometimes from what so we've already talked about the intro of Fantasia 2000. Um, there's one thing I kind of want to bring up though. It's the fact that this was uh, <laughs> this was released exclusively in IMAX theaters for like four months, <laughs> and they were surprised it bombed. <laughs> and they were surprised it bombed. Yeah, like, and like the the first one, like you can make the option that like eventually it turned into a net positive financially. This one just outright bombed. It made it made back like what five million dollars. This one made what? Oh, Fantasia two thousand. Yeah. It just like the original budget was eighty to eighty five million, mm-hmm. and it made ninety point nine back. Ugh, yeah, it tanked. Yeah, this was um, the only version of Fantasia I knew about for a while too, because I kept seeing the trailer and the video mm-hmm. cassette that we had. It might have been for Lion King. It might have been for uh, maybe something else. I actually grew up mostly on the first Fantasia because my parents had that one on VHS, but we never got Fantasia two thousand. Right. So I didn't see that one until later. I didn't see Fantasia until 2000 until later either, probably a few years ago. And, yeah. like, it, I didn't remember a lot of it, because generally I think it is a little less memorable than the first one. I disagree, but okay. It's, I think, I think I have more problems with this than the other. Like, I still think it's great, again, overall. Again, like, my, I, like, like, my issues with, um, Fantasia 40, um, they're super minor. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I, they have a lot of stuff here that's, like, really good. It's just not a stuff that, like, sticks in my that sticks in my mind as much as the first one. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, like I think the big things are really just the intros. Mm-hmm. That's it for me. Yeah. Like, and that's something, it's like, whatever. Okay, so Steve Martin does something kind of lame. Bette Midler is high on Valium. <laughs> Bette Midler is just sitting there going, Oh, boy! F-. I've been calling her Betty this whole time because I'm tired. Um, <laughs> Bette Midler is just sitting there like, Oh, guess what? These things just, you know, they never got made because they just didn't get made. And it's like, yeah, they didn't get made because the original tanked. Yeah. It's all, it's all, they're all very surreal, like, time capsules of, like, 1999. Oh, yeah. And I guess for that alone, they're at least endearing and kind of charming. The Steve Martin one, I think, is, like, dorkily yeah, the, the Steve Martin the Steve Martin one is like, yeah, like it's like it's it's unfunny, but it's like almost kind of like charmingly unfunny. Yeah, like did not laugh once. Sat the sat there stone faced, just waiting for it to end. But after the fact, I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, that's Steve charming. Martin, Steve Martin, you know, yeah, like he's clearly just trying to be funny, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. But it's like, oh, he tried. Yeah. It's kind of like just like when your son comes home from like first grade with like a shitty arts and crafts project. You go, I'm gonna put it on the fridge. <laughs> That's how I felt about Steve Martin's intro. 
Um, speaking of Steve Martin's intro, <laughs> let us talk about the very first segment beyond Symphony Number no. Five, which is Pines of Rome. I love Pines of Rome. Pines of Rome is gorgeous and like probably on a technical level the lesser one of the bunch, literally just because some of the CGI is a little dated. That's it. That's yeah, it. Um, and even then, it's like it doesn't fucking matter. I think Pines of Rome, like even with the the CGI issues. Like, this or Rhapsody in Blue are my favorite uh, from Fantasia 2000. Well, actually, maybe Firebird Suite. Rhapsody in Blue and Firebird Suite are my favorites, but... It's, it's those three at top for me. Pines of Rome, but like... Pines of Rome is just like, oh my god, like, I mean, on an emo... Again, like, the emotional thing of, like, it's so sweet, and it's so tender, and it's so just loving. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, the CGI issues aside, like, who gives a shit? Yeah, like, it's it's from... It, it's, it's from 2000. We talked about this a bit in the Toy Story episode. Thanks to my encyclopedic knowledge of the podcast that I do. <laughs> um, but, like, the early 2000s was a time when, like, people were starting to, like, try to push the boundaries of 3D animation mm -hmm. and blend it into 2D animation. And a lot of those early experiments, like, there are way worse examples than this. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, my God, yeah, by far. Have you ever seen Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Indeed, and the I have. And I would rather die. <laughs> uh, you mean you would rather watch it again? Great, because that's what we're doing tonight. I thought we were watching that wonderful John Travolta film directed by Fred Durst. Oh yeah, Pines of Rome is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Like I said, like there's some minor CGI issues, but like you said, like this was back in the day when they were still kind of experimenting with it, and this is definitely back when Disney was kind of experimenting with like blending 2D and 3D animation together. Yeah, and it, especially in like their other movies, which were shit at the time, <laughs> mostly. Which ones? Like the other, like the other movies besides Fantasia 2000 that came out in the same era. Like, this was oh, getting yeah. into the period when, like, Disney movies were real shit. <laughs> yeah, this is when they were starting to hit their slump again. Yeah. But... Save for Emperor's New Groove, which... Yeah, save for that. And Treasure Planet. Oh, Treasure Planet is wonderful. Treasure Planet's great. Like, it's a mess, but I love it. <laughs> Treasure Planet's, like, so fucking ambitious. And, and Atlantis. Atl I like and Atlantis, Atlantis, too. Atlantis is awesome. Yeah. Home on a range can suck a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but Chicken Little. Mwah! <laughs> <laughs> Man, I sure love how Disney gave Zach Braff his own vehicle. Mm. <laughs> God damn it, you're right. <laughs> Can't believe you made me remember that he's that he's in that. God, remember um, Zach Braff. Anyway, Pines of Rome is like the one that I remember it being in most of the marketing. That is yes. the flamingo one. Um, yeah, and and, 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 and just because we haven't really asked Sources Apprentice, and just because we haven't talked about it, it's the one with the humpback whales fly. Yeah. And I remember seeing that trailer as a kid and thinking, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> and, like, Mickey Mouse is in it with these, like, amorphous blob whales. Like, what the hell is going on? I'm sure, like, six-year-old you was actually just sitting in front of a TV like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> then my mom, <laughs> your mom dropped, her, dropped her teacup. <laughs> and just gaped open mouth at the thing that caused me to swear for this first time was this charming cartoon about whales. <laughs> I have a really funny story that I'm going to bring up on the fucking show now. Uh -huh. So when I was a kid, when I was like four, I went to this family reunion in Manitoba. Mm. And um, I guess I was being a little shit or something. And my parents were trying to tell me, like, go sit in this chair, go sit in this chair. And I said, I don't want to sit in the fucking chair. Everyone around was just like, <laughs> like, what the? Like, mouths wide open, like, what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> and, like, I, I don't know if it was because my parents swore around me a lot or what happened, but I just ended up saying, I don't want to sit in this fucking chair. <laughs> and my parents were just like, 
he's four. <laughs> and they're like, we don't know if we should like if we should like punish him or if we should just give him kudos. They definitely should have punished you. <laughs> I think they did a mix of both. Okay. Actually, I think my parents were like my parents probably gave me shit for it, but also they were probably like kind laughing of, their asses off. They were probably laughing their asses off. <laughs> That is funny. I know they occasionally bring it up every now and then. They go, ah, fuck, I forgot about that. Anyway, that's volume 80 of Chris and Stefan talk about everything besides the Fantasia (laughs) skin. Anyway, the whale whale picture is good. The whale one's incredible. Mm. Like I said, like, minor issues here and there. Who gives a shit? Whales are sweet animals. But let's talk about Rhapsody in Blue. Oh, I love Rhapsody in Blue. Which is the... Oh my god, it's probably... It's, 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 my... it's almost... I, I don't know if it's that one. I don't know if it's that one. It's, it's or so if it's Firebird Suite, but holy shit, they come really close. It's designed in the style of Al Hirschfeld's caricatures. Yeah. And it's set in the early 20s, and it follows uh, different individuals who are all dissatisfied in their life. Like, one is bored at his job and wants to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Another is unemployed and wants a job. A uh, little girl doesn't want to be made to do these stupid hobbies and just wants to hang out with her parents and yeah. an old rich guy is basically hates his wife <laughs> i mean when i put it that way it's kind of bleak but yeah. um it's it's also a wonderful little but skit. it also ends with like you know the little girl getting to be with her parents um the construction worker getting to do um getting to pursue his passion the unemployed um, guy taking a construction worker's place, yeah. and the rich guy killing his wife. So, you know, it's all, it all she works out well. She doesn't die. Well, she gets hooked by a crane. She gets hooked by a crane. I felt bad for the dog, because he did nothing wrong. Yeah, the dog did nothing wrong. The dog did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. But, other than that, like... We do not endorse wife murder, or wife craning. Wife <laughs> craning? <laughs> crane me harder, Danny. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but yeah, like, visually, it's stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, the Quincy Jones intro is actually not terrible either. No, I re- it's basically it's, it's it's nice. standard. It's, it's pretty just standard. Him talking about shit. And yeah, it's it was fine. And it's relatively informative. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, like it's it's so it's it, one it's visually stunning. Two, like I said, it it brings it does what Fantasia does best all the time, mm-hmm. which is just stun you on a visual level. It brings out the emotions really well. It makes you feel really invested in these characters, despite, again, like, no dialogue whatsoever. And again, this one is more... Fantasia 2000 in general is more character-driven than the first one. Yes, absolutely. Like you mentioned earlier, and, like, the intro really, really uh, covers that. Piano Concerto number 2, Allegro Opus 102. By Dmitry Shostakovich. This was introduced by Bette Midler, who, again, she did did not necessarily look sober. (laughs) She did not necessarily look sober or seem to care. Yeah. I think her intro is the worst one by far. Yeah. Um... Anyway, this is set to the the Steadfast Tin Soldier by Hans Hans Christian Anderson, Anderson. which is much more tragic of a story than what than the story in Fantasia 2000. But that's just Disney, right? Like, they do this all the time. Yeah, oh, Definitely. But like, but like the other Hans Christian Andersen story they adapted. <coughs> Actually, the two of them. Because I guess Frozen is based on the Snow Queen. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, anyway, this is also nice. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think one of the reasons that, like, uh, with, with the first Fantasia, you can, like, talk about the music and the, and the visuals. And, like, you can kind of talk about how they complement each other. Yeah, for sure. I, I think with Fantasia 2000, like, especially in the second half, like, I just don't really get the impression that of the of it that much. Yeah. And, like, it's still good. It still works. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's just not... It doesn't hit me quite in the same way as the first movie. Yeah. Like, this is, uh, this is, a, this is a cute... This is a cute skit, and I really like it. Yeah. And it's visually great, and the music is great. It just doesn't quite come together as perfect as the first movie, but again, that's a very high bar. No, and I I, I find the animation style to be really, really stunning. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, like, I, I was kind of disoriented when it first came up, like, oh, I don't know how if I'm going to like this. And then, like, by the time, like, it, it's, like, through the first act, it's like, oh, this is really cool, and yeah. I really dig this. No, like, by the time, I, it doesn't even take until the end of the first act. Like, it's pretty much almost right away. I think part of it was, like, because the jack-o'-lantern was, A, creepy as fuck, and B, uh, it was kind of giving me, a, like, kind of glossy CGI early human animation, like, early Pixar animation vibes. Yeah, a little bit, but... But, uh, you know, it, 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 it's I, a lot it, of good it grew stuff. on me, which is more than I can say for some of the human Pixar animations of the era, Ooh, which yeah. are still fucking terrifying. Uh, much like, uh, you know, everyone's favorite Toy Story 2. I love that movie. Yeah, but, it's like... Wonderful. But, yeah, the human animations are fucking creepy. Yes. <laughs> um, coming up next is the Carnival of the Animals finale. That's the Flamingos, and That's that one lasts, like, 30 seconds. It's introduced by James Earl Jones, and he has the best intro, I think. Oh, by far. His intro's lovely, because it's actually kind of funny. It is pretty funny, actually. Um, but... Yeah, it's a very short one, but... And it's... It's actually... <laughs> it's one of the more memorable ones, just because it's so quick that I... Like, okay, well, I remember there was the Flamingo one, and then I remember that's everything about it, because it's just, the premise, the beginning, the middle, and the end, all you need to know is that it's a Flamingo with a yo-yo, isn't that funny? Yep. <laughs> um, and you know, it's cute. It's it's not memorable. Well, I mean, it's memorable for... It's... Me- I'm just... I'm gonna cut that. It's cute. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. It's charming. It's lovely. It's very short, very quick. Mm-hmm. But it's lovely. Mm-hmm. After that, we had the Sorcerer's Apprentice introduced by Penn and Teller. <sighs> okay, well, well we've already we've, talked, about we've that. talked about that. We've already right. talked about that. If you want to go back and listen to us talk about it again, yeah, by all means. By all means. Next is Pomp and Circumstance marches one, two, three, and four, uh, which has it's based on the story of Noah's Ark from the Book of Genesis, but with yep. Donald Duck. <laughs> <laughs> which now that I read which it, is, is really actually really funny. charming. <laughs> That's why I love it so much. It's like this is cute. This reminds me of like an old like Donald Duck short or something. I want to see more Old Testament stories that are told by like Disney characters. Like I want to see Goofy be the King Solomon when he cuts his wife for whatever. You know what I'd love to see? Um, That's not how that story goes. You know what? I'm I'd not love... up on my Old Testament more. You ever seen that Martin Scorsese movie, The Last Temptation of Christ? Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see that reimagined as a Disney movie starring Goofy. <laughs> just Goofy getting crucified sounds kind of charming. <laughs> uh, just uh, the Roman the Roman military trying to get Jesus to confess, and he's like, I'd fucking do it again! <laughs> <laughs> I love that animation. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's, it's very... Jesus, can can a rich man go to heaven? It's easier for a camel to also, walk a needle. What, what is the quote? A needle to go through the eye of a camel, or whatever, than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. <laughs> My awful goofy impression. That <laughs> was fucking pathetic. Anyway, um, I was also going to say that I think that the introduction to uh, Pomp and Circumstance is actually quite good as well. Because it, it harkens back to, like, the intro- the introduction that occurs after the Sorcerer's Apprentice in the first Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's also While also kind charming. of having a cute little spin on, like, oh, where's, where's Donald? Yeah, yeah. It, it's cute. Yeah, yeah. 
It reminds me why, like, because when you think of, like, Mickey Mouse, like, you, I immediately forward, oh, corporate monolith guy. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, he's actually also a charming cartoon character. I totally forgot about that. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's really sweet. I think it's really cute. Mm. Um, I think it's a better Old Testament story than anything in the Old Testament. <laughs> because Donald Duck running Noah's Ark is precious. <laughs> um, hell, I think any of, like, the VeggieTale movies are more charming renditions of the Old Testament than anything in the Old Testament. Yo, are you sure about that? Because I'd fuck to the plagues of Egypt. <laughs> I'd fuck to the Prince of Egypt, the, the DreamWorks movie. Dude, have you not seen Jonah of VeggieTales movie, The Masterpiece? I have, actually. It's quite good. <laughs> it's quite cute. It, it, I actually watched a shitload of VeggieTales I, when I was a kid. Like, I, I wasn't I wasn't that religious at all. No. But, like... Like, I'm a staunch fucking atheist, and I have Jonah of VeggieTales movie on DVD. Yeah. Like, honestly... Like, I, I remember watching it, like, really fucking enjoying it for, like, just... Uh, what, what are their fucking names? Tom and Larry? Oh, Bob. Bob and Larry. Yes. And just enjoying that. And then, like, when they got into, like... And God says, like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, because you forget that it's a fucking Christian program. Anyway, VeggieTales is my favorite religious propaganda. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's the only one that never convinced me to become a Christian. <laughs> Actually, all of them convinced me not to become a Christian, but it's like, oh, VeggieTales is nice. That on a night on Bald Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like... VeggieTales is just kind of fucking harmless, though. Like, I don't yeah. really think it's, like... It's not like Bob is, like, coming it's up not... and saying, like, stone the gays, kids! Yeah, like, it's not dangerous unless someone has a point that proves otherwise. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Yeah. But I don't really think that VeggieTales is, like, dangerous. Like, I don't think it's, yeah. like, pure flicks levels it's like, of bad. It's, like, basically just, like, basic Christian morals, which are, like, mostly, like, if you... Like, basic Christian morals are fine on their own. Yeah. Because it's basically amounts to don't be an asshole. Yeah. No, but it's like, yeah, there's there's some Christians that don't abide by basic Christian morals. Yeah, and um, those are usually the ones yeah. with the monopoly on propaganda. Yeah. But unless I'm missing something, like, I don't remember VeggieTales being, like, actively harmful. I don't remember either, and I don't care to be corrected. <laughs> so, um, like, usually when I think of, like, Christian programming, most people think of, like, either the embarrassingly cringy Bible man, or... The actively harmful things that PureFlix has put out in the last How ten dare years. Dare you slander Bible man like that? <laughs> anyway, we need to fucking talk about. All right, welcome to volume ninety of our segways. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let me talk about why I'm not as big a fan of this one. Okay, like the like the visuals. Again, I love it, the story itself and the visuals. I just think pop and circumstance is a weird fucking choice. Because oh, it, it fits. It's uh, it, no, it fucking it, it reminds me of a high school graduation. It doesn't like conjure up images of like this bib epic biblical story about rebirth. It conjures an image of like me of like a high school student walking half drunk up the stairs to like receive a note that he's gonna toss into the fire in thirty minutes. <laughs> Did you actually do that, no. Mr. Diploma? I don't know why I said me. That's absolutely not how my high school graduation went. My high school graduating class was the biggest graduating class in Edmonton history. So it lasted about four hours. <laughs> Do you have um, anything more to say about pomp and circumstance? I, I I understand where you're coming from. Where you think it's a weird choice. I don't know why it just strangely fits. I I don't know. It, it worked. I think it conjured up what it needed to, and I think it it fit the story mostly really well. There was a few points where it took me off, or like kind of took me out of it a little bit, but like for the most part, I was pretty much in it the whole time. 
And if it, and if the thing can do that, then I mean, kudos. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, I don't have as much of an issue with it as you do. I wouldn't even say it's an issue, it's just, it just didn't mesh super well for me. Fair enough. But anyway, we're, anyway. Al- we're almost done. Let's talk about the last one. Firebird yes. Suite, 1919 version by Igor Stravinsky. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> These Fantasia movies sure know how to end on a high note. Yeah. Another one that ha- that has an extremely dark point and then has a very uplifting end. Oh my god, absolutely. Like, mm. it's it's also just incredibly stunning. Mm. I think it's probably one of the best looking Fantasia segments in the history of the Fantasia franchise. Mm. God bless this beautiful franchise. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I don't have a lot to say about it because, again, I feel like words cannot do it justice. Uh, that's the thing. Well, it's very hard to give, like, words to something that, like, very explicitly doesn't even have dialogue. Exactly. But I think that overall it's, like, just like the just like Night on Bald Mountain. It's super effective. It's a super kick-ass way to end the fucking movie. Yeah. Also, that elk is really cool. So fucking cool. Top-touch elk. Top-notch elk. Top-touch elk. <laughs> Can't fucking talk. Um... And the Angela Lansbury introduction isn't terrible either. I just realized, like, most of the introductions aren't that bad. No. As we kind of break them down. It's like, the Steve Martin one is, like, dorkily lame. The Angela Lansbury one is fine. The James Levine one with Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck is adorable. Mm-hmm. The Penn and Teller one is, like, cringe comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the James Earl Jones and Eric Goldberg one is funny as fuck, actually. <laughs> the, Bette Mil- the Bette Midler one is almost so bad it's good. Mm-hmm. The Quincy Jones one is fine. Like, completely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with these. <laughs> not a one. Now I'm starting to just think that maybe there's nothing wrong with Fantasia 2000. <laughs> I'm definitely not going that far. But, but. Anyway. Um, quirks and all, it's adorable. It is. Um, but Firebird Suite is, like, again, just like, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's very epic, too. It's I mean, a lot, of, a lot of these skits are epic. A lot of these I skits are, but I think, like, Firebird Suite and Night on Bald Mountain are, like, the ones that feel the most epic. I agree with that. And the Firebird Suite one also takes up, like, what, six or seven minutes, I think? Mm. It's not that long. No. But it feels epic, though. Mm-hmm. There's something about it where it feels, like, epic in length. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, it feels like it feels like you watched a feature-length movie, mm-hmm. honestly. And I mean that in, in a good way. Yeah. If you got a whole story. Exactly. The elk wakes his tree friend. Yes. And a, and a birdie murders his tree friend. <laughs> so, I guess, final thoughts on Fantasia 2000? Oh, wait, one, wait, let's talk about Destino real quick. Oh, yeah. Because it's incredible. Yeah. Um, um, so, for context, um, Destino is a short film that was originally conceived by Salvador Dali and Walt Disney. They mm-hmm. were going to collaborate together on it, but it was never finished. Mm-hmm. What well, would it have been for the first Fantasia or would it have been for after? I think it would have been for after because it was it was being worked on in 1946 if, yeah. if I remember the introduction. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I remember it saying. So yeah, it would have been probably for the next segment of Fantasia, which, which would have been a short film. Never happened. Though they did make like more like musical-based movies like uh, Make Mine Music and mm-hmm. the other one. But basically what happened was someone found the old designs in the original concept art and they just went to town and made it mm-hmm. and finished it up. It's kind of like what happened with like that Orson Welles movie from a couple years ago, The Other Side of the Wind. Yeah. Where like Peter Bogdanovich and friends just finished it up. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredible. I think it honors more Dolly than Disney, but... Yeah, I don't get a Disney vibe from it at all. I don't all. get as much of a Disney vibe from it at all, but 
I mean, if this is what they were going for, then fucking kudos to Disney, yeah, I guess, for doing something it. a little out, out there. Yeah, it's like... But they n- fucking nailed else. it. Uh, it's like nothing else that even... It doesn't even come close to something that I would even consider to be a Disney project. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, it's, it's beautifully crafted. It's so surreal. It's so weird. It's I, great. I it's honestly, so weird. I honestly kind of wish that they just kind of put it in the main feature. What would they honestly, have lost? I guess. Yeah. yeah. What would they have lost? Just like, cool. The movie's now eighty-one minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like the movie's only seventy-five minutes. Just fucking throw her in. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a great way to cap it off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, um, Destino is included on the Blu-ray. I'm not sure if it's on the DVD. Mm-hmm. Someone with a copy of the DVD would have to quote me on that. Right. But it's absolutely beautiful. It was actually nominated for the Oscar for Best Animated Short. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, like, it's just like chef's kiss again. They did an incredible job at bringing that vision to life. Mm-hmm. And there's actually an 82-minute documentary on the Blu-ray that I have not had a chance to watch yet. Yeah. But it's all about that short. It's like also like ten times the length of that. Show. It's also like I want to say more than ten times the length. Yeah, fair but enough. yeah, like it's an eighty-two minute long fucking documentary mm-hmm. on just this short. And it's like you know what? I kind of want to watch that eventually. <laughs> I just haven't had time to. Destino is like the culmination of the life of two visionaries of their craft with similarly shitty politics. Yes. <laughs> But I highly recommend that one as well. If you're going to watch Fantasia 2000, watch Destino with it. Because mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah. I'd say either watch it at, before you start Fantasia 2000 or right after. Either mm-hmm. one's fine. Yeah. But, yeah. Highly recommended. I love Fantasia 2000 so fucking much. Yeah. Um, I think it's certainly more ambitious than Fantasia 40. But mm-hmm. I think that's just because like animation is like grown so much as a medium since 1940 mm-hmm. at that point yeah and i think that they showcased that incredibly well it's yeah. like one of my favorite things about it is like how unique the animation style is to each and every segment mm-hmm. like they should have replaced um sorcerer's apprentice with destino that would have been cool too actually yeah. I, but i still don't mind them having sorcerer's apprentice in there it gave me a time it gave me time to send an email <laughs> <laughs> plus it gave us that great pen and teller introduction yeah yeah that we've made fun of for the last 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now that we're done talking about both of these. Because obviously we recommend both of them. Mm-hmm. Very highly. Like this is a very big thumbs up on all of I would say so, yes. Um, sorry. Salvador Dali was like all sorry was like all over the map politically. Yeah. Uh, in his 1970 book, Dali by Dali, he declared himself to be both an anarchist and a monarchist. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, is he stupid? Yeah. Like, politically, he's an extremely stupid man. And he he was super close with uh, Francisco Franco, the fascist dictator of Spain. But he also praised the leader of uh, Romania, Nikolai Kochescu, who was, like, a Marxist-Leninist, yeah. for his adoption of a scepter as part of his regalia. Dolly makes no fucking sense. <laughs> Which, I cool. Get. I guess in itself makes sense. Art, I guess I don't know. He's just kind of a shitty person with extremely good art. <laughs> cool. You mentioned right around the time we started recording that they're working on another Fantasia thing for Disney Plus. Uh, yes. Let me just pull that up again and get away from Salvador Dali trivia. Well, okay. So they they were originally gonna make a third Fantasia movie, but the then one... this tanked. <laughs> yeah, and then this tanked. Uh, the development actually began in two thousand two. If you, believe, oh, wow. if you believe that 
Um, I'm surprised they just dropped it right away then. Yeah, but uh, it, it didn't end up working out. Probably because there's... What are they, were they really going to pour that much resources into a third movie after no. the first two like didn't even do that well? No, and they didn't really put any effort to give Fantasia 2000 like a proper chance to really do better. Yeah, and fa- yeah, Fantasia... It would have been interesting to see them re-release Fantasia 2000 a couple more times. Yeah, that would Because I think, like, especially with, like, the advent of IMAX now, I think it would look stunning. I think that, I think what it comes down to is that, like, pe- people just don't really think about Fantasia that much no. anymore. Which is really unfortunate. Like, if, which they, is they, a shame. if they think of it, they think of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah. Um, I think it, it is literally just the fact that people don't care about Fantasia anymore, and the people that do own the Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And also, Disney doesn't do repertory screenings of their own films anymore. Because, mm-hmm. of course, they don't. Stupid assholes. Anyway. Anyway. October 25th, 2019. It was an... The Sorcerer's Apprentice movie is based on the segment? <laughs> I thought it was based on some books. <laughs> That's fucking weird. Okay, anyway. Anyway. Uh, it was announced that... So, they're apparently developing a project based on Fantasia for Disney+. And that wording is very bad. It was very vague, admittedly. Uh, it's time so, for them to stop. Yeah, I don't think they need to, honestly. No, 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 like, I mean, like, it's time for them to stop. Like, I, like, I think the most ambitious thing that Disney can do right now in their, in their current state of, you know, milking everything for what it's worth because nostalgia and money. Can't wait for the live-action adaptation of Fantasia. That's not what I meant. Fuck that. <laughs> you know what? Well, yeah, but this too. But I think the most bold and ambitious thing they can do is straight up make a third Fantasia movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I would kill if they made Fantasia 2020 next year mm. and they've just been hiding it from us for the last three years. <laughs> like yeah, I would be happen. in shock, mm. but again, because they seem to like not care about 2d animation, given that this is the same studio that allowed their Winnie the Pooh movie, mm-hmm. i.e. the last 2d animated film they've made mm-hmm. compete against Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows part two. Yeah. Morons. <laughs> it's clear they don't give a shit about this. No, and yeah, they're never gonna make another two D thing again. No, I, really, I don't think really they are. Sad. Which breaks my fucking heart because clearly they just whatever. Okay, who gives a shit? Yeah. I I, I don't think three D animation is a plague or anything. I really don't. No. But I like, think that the way the, most of the three D animated stuff they do is at least really good, it's, yeah. It's at least decent and goes up to like really fucking good. Yeah, like I don't really think that like, it's not that I have an issue with 3D animation, it's that I have an issue with Disney suppressing 2D animation. Yeah. And not wanting to make it... You know how many people would fucking flock to a theater at this point just to see another 2D animated Disney film? Oh my god, I would be among them probably. Oh my god, I mean, yeah. I, I say that after a guy who spent... I say that as a guy who spent the first 30 minutes slagging on Disney as a company. Like, I would kill to see another... I would. ...good 2D animated movie. I guess it doesn't even have to be Disney, like, but And like... honestly, you know what I think would be great for a third Fantasia movie? Mm-hmm. Do what they're doing with 2000, but really go for it. Like, you know, do like a blend... Do like the blended uh, 2D, 3D thing again. Yeah, because the, the technology has been like... Has been refined to this and... point. Oh, this yeah. Point. And, like, even put in some 3D animated segments in there. It doesn't have to be all 2D. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, mix it up, shape it up, do something ambitious. Like, Disney is so creatively bankrupt right now. And I'd say morally bankrupt, too. Mm -hmm. But for sure... Yeah, well, I mean, they've always been morally bankrupt. Yeah, they've always been morally bankrupt. But right now, they're so creatively fucking bankrupt, I think another Fantasia movie in a theater would be the most bold thing they could fucking do. 
mm-hmm. and I'd be there day fucking one. Mm-hmm. Hell, I'd fucking see it in IMAX if they did that shit again. Mm-hmm. Like, do that. Don't put it on Disney Plus. Don't, because mm-hmm. then you're ruining it. Yeah. The beauty of Fantasia is to go see it on the biggest screen you possibly can. Mm-hmm. The beauty of that's why they opted to do and do a four month IMAX engagement. Not because they thought, oh, well, this will make us a shitload of money, but because they actually thought, like, hey, this is how it's going to benefit. Mm-hmm. This is how the mo- this is how good the movie's going to look. Yeah. If you put it on Disney Plus, what the fuck are you really getting from that? Watching it on a goddamn laptop. Yeah. Or on someone's like forty inch baby HD TV. Not everyone has a four K television. Like you, like you, Chris. Do you have a forty K four K TV? <laughs> 40k that you haven't mentioned before on this podcast multiple times no but what i'm saying is like most people don't mm. have a 4k tv no 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 yeah and you know and i feel like the only way that anyone's gonna really benefit from a straight to disney plus fantasia project that they're probably gonna put very little to no effort into is probably on a 4k tv mm-hmm. they're not gonna benefit from you know any anything less than that yeah like, you need to watch... Like, Fantasia works on the biggest screen possible, all the lights out, and just immerse yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Because it's an experience. Mm-hmm. It's not something that, like I said, it's not something you really go into to read, like, deep social commentary about. Mm. It's something... I'm sure there's a way to, though. I'm sure there's a way to, but, you know, you're mainly there for the experience. Yeah. You're losing something if you're not going to put it in a theater. Mm-hmm. So, Disney... I'm begging you, if you're going to do another fucking Fantasia project, do not put it on Disney+. Plus. Use your brains. Mm-hmm. Use some creativity. Have some fucking, like, artistic balls. Just well, they're out for three, so... <laughs> just fucking go for it. Mm. Make, some, make some fucking art again. Mm. I don't care if it's art for the sake of art, if you want to claim it's that. Who gives a shit? But make something beautiful. Quote John Waters, go out there, go out in the world and fuck it up beautifully. (laughs) And I think that's what they should do with, like, you know, making a Fantasia movie. Just go out there and just fucking disrupt the system. Mm -hmm. Make another Fantasia movie. Ah, yes, disruptors of the system. The monopoly that controls everything. I think it would be kind of bold on their end. I think it would be a bold statement. Of like, hey, Uh, we're making another 2D-ish animated film. They're only going to make a statement like that if they feel like they won't be losing anything doing so. Well, if they also, feel like the loss of profit that it might may very well have because it's Fantasia. No, but also, I mean, like with the live-action remakes of Dumbo and shit, they thought those were going to make money, but they didn't. Mind you, yeah, I guess. That so shows it's, judgment. it's entirely possible that they could try it. And honestly, I'd be all for it. Hell, maybe do a fucking like, live-action segment a la like The Lion King. Right. Or I guess live action. Yes, Jesus. it's animated. Jesus Christ! It's but an like, put a little more effort into that than yeah. But like, can. but like that would be that would be something. Mm-hmm. That would be bold. That would be ballsy. Like shake it up. Mm-hmm. Do something, you fucking hacks. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, I'm done ranting. I want to talk. I want to watch the Limp Biscuit movie. So do I, um, folks. This has been fun. Um, I'll quickly do social media. Yep, go for it. Uh, we are sequel decay. Mm-hmm. Still are, won't change that a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Decay Sequel, Facebook just at Sequel Decay. Uh, this is probably not on YouTube right now. Probably not. <laughs> Rip that channel. <laughs> um, but we are on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
Am I missing anything? Probably not. Uh, stay tuned to this. Uh, actually, I do want to make a quick uh, show update. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like there's going to be a couple mini-sodes that are going to be coming up in the next couple weeks to make up for what happened with Dr. Sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, apologies for that again. Yeah. Um, my computer just lost the entire file. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully we were still able to get it up on deadline. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a couple mini-sodes that are going to come out. One that we kind of alluded to in the Dr. Sleep episode, the last Christmas one, I think. Mm-hmm. And it looks like there is going to be a Jojo Rabbit mini-sode. Apparently, yeah. A movie I hated. <laughs> Uh-oh. So get ready to hear me bitch and moan about Jojo Rabbit with a special guest that isn't Stepan. It's not me. I haven't seen it. Yeah, and you're not going to edit it either just because, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's um, Is that actually, like, confirmed? It's going to happen, or? Looks like it. Okay, good. So it looks like there might be a Jojo Rabbit episode in the uh, pipeline as well, but... It, when it comes out, I don't know, mm-hmm. but we're hoping to get it recorded this week. Okay, good. So, yeah, look forward to that. And then, of course, there's going to be the Frozen episode coming up next week. Mm-hmm. And maybe some other fun surprises. We'll see in the next few minutes. Who knows? Anyway, thank you for listening to the show. I'm Stefan. I'm Chris. Um, I'm dead inside. Yes, I am too. Bye.